0: welcome to your favorite podcaster's favorite podcast i take your favorite athletes and i make them talk about their business endeavors and things they're doing off the court the field the arena the only way i know how to start this episode is just to quite frankly say jeff moore aka jm is a fascinating dude jeff played football for toledo university and after college he moved from the midwest to california where he is now an account executive at Scylla. Scylla specializes in helping startups store value and transfer money between bank accounts crypto and digital wallets from inside their applications while maintaining compliance with u.s regulations through their api and sdks what the hell did i just say we'll simplify that in a second in the meantime listen to this song in the background yeah, that's Jeff. Jeff is a musician and is out here in California working with some of the top producers such as Jeff Ellis, Jorge Hernandez, Demetri McDowell, and more. He even has a song with Lil B. Between the importance of digital payment processing, getting tackled by Aaron Donald's brother, and making music that is scientifically proven to serve as therapy for certain mental health issues, I promise you we get into it all. My name's Noah Lack and welcome to Athletes and Assets.
1: Do you want see me?
0: JM, JM, man, let's skip the small talk. You have an incredible music background. You've been doing it for a while. I got to ask you this, man. What is your biggest takeaway from the Kanye West documentary?
1: Lucky lack on the track. Yeah, man. Um, I did watch it. There was a screening and uh, I saw it in the movies, which was dope. It was a dope experience. It's one of probably the most influential artists in my career. Um, I think that... You know, he's one of my biggest influences. His ability to speak things into existence is is one of the things that I think is is blatantly apparent watching the doc. he He essentially talked about, you know, one day people are going to watch this doc in a movie theater and they're going to be laughing at you because you passed up on me, essentially, is what he was saying. And literally everyone in the movie theater is like laughing. And like, it was like one of those meta moments where it's like, you know, it's like, He spoke that into existence, you know, him walking into walking into the different, you know, recording offices at Rockefeller and, you know, just just putting in just putting in his 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 demo tapes and just playing them like, you know, homegirls on the phone, like trying to like, you know, work and like. Supreme belief in himself is infectious, and that 's something that you know is has has been a theme uh, underlying yeah. theme in my own life too as well. realizing the power of when you believe in yourself that 's where it starts that 's where it all starts, getting other people to believe in you, you know my background in sales um uh, you know other other aspects of my life, getting people sold. You have to be first sold yourself. You have to have conviction in whatever it is you're selling, you know, whether it be not yourself sure. or you know a product or whatever it is, an idea. You believe 100% in whatever it is you're saying, people are going to believe you eventually. It might not be right away. You know, it might it might yeah. take a little bit of time, yeah. but you know, staying strong and staying consistent with that conviction is something that I found goes
0: a for long sure. way. Uh, That's uh, that's a great takeaway, a big, big self-belief, speak it into existence. My biggest takeaway from the doc was to not have friends who just tell you yes, Um, have friends who tell you no when they know it's the the right thing, Um, because, you know, as as great as a musical genius as, as Kanye is... Uh, and was there's it just it just seems like to me watching the Netflix documentary there were so many people that just enabled him to become in his unwell state and I think having people in your corner that will be keep it honest with you and tell you things that maybe you not you don't want to hear but it's the right thing is super important so thanks for touching on that uh, just had to had to get your your thoughts on that Netflix documentary because it's it's really hot right now but thank you so much for for hopping on the podcast you come from first of all you come from a heavy football background. Um, You know, you grew up in Detroit, uh, big football player, you played receiver at Toledo. um, And now with the rules these days, people can now monetize their name, image and likeness. So really quick here, if you were still in college, um, how would you take advantage of the new NIL rules that are in place?
1: Yeah, you know, this is something that I think about actually a lot in college, you know, everything we do is documented. Like, you know, we would film every drill, you know, we're, we're, we're watching, critiquing ourselves, you know, everything from like, you know, our, our posture to like, you know, our, our, our body language when we mess up, you know, and like all of that, right. A big play, you know, in practice, you make a, you know, big play in the game, having the ability to mint an NFT for those for those highlights, uh, you know, a massive social media following. So they have a captive audience and then they have, you know, these highlights that they're minting as NFTs that, you know, maybe they mint as a one of one. What would it be worth? Just off the top of my mind, you know, OBJ, like when, you know, OBJ was at LSU, what would it be worth to, you know, his fan base? To have an NFT, to have a one of one of a highlight of him doing something, you know, you know, for every, you know, 10 highlights he has in a game, you know, there's probably 100 in practice that, you know, you 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 will never see as a fan. Like, you know, is something that what would it be
0: worth to them? You're thinking of like an exclusive play and practice fans didn't see but if you have that film you can capitalize that nft no one else saw it but once they have that access it's even more exclusive because it's not televised
1: well like behind the right. scenes is like a big thing like people want to be a part of your story you know as you're coming up people want to be you know feel For like sure. they're with you on the rise you know if if, if you're someone that inspires someone they they you know they want to see what you're doing and you know this is a way to grant uh you know both grant that access to those people that it is something of value to them and then it's also a way to you know you as a player exchange that value and receive some of that value as you should because you know it's your image and likeness
0: you know it's a business, and I and um, it's fascinating to see how how college athletes are taking advantage of that. And so I want to I will love asking people who are in business, we're athletes, what they think. I I told a buddy of mine this the other day. Um, I think football players make some of the best people in business because as a football player, you're on such a big team, you have to know that your teammates are. Different things make them click. The team does not win without all pieces moving together. And there's just so much discipline that's involved. There's so many successful players, ex-football players in business. Do you agree with that statement? And what have you taken away from football that's helped you with what you're doing now, you know, especially in the tech space? Yeah, oh,
1: absolutely. I 110% agree with that. Our locker room, the locker room that I was a part of at Toledo was super diverse, right? You know, we had, we had players that, you know... Came from second generation oil money. We had players that you know their whole family is involved. You know, in gang culture, and you know they're coming from you know that background. You know, and everything and everything in between. Like all these men that have diversely different backgrounds, very high strong egos. Right. You know, everyone has an ego. You know, everyone wants to be the best. Uh, You kind of have to be. You know, to play at that level Um, is something that we all have to figure out a way to put those egos to a side and, you know, get along with one another to win football games. Cause if we don't, you know, we're not going to be successful as a team. And, you know, that, you know, I think ultimately was one of the biggest, uh, one of the biggest takeaways, um, you know, skill sets that I acquired during my time at Toledo. I think that served me very well in the business arena, Um, being able to, Get along with just about anyone, um, you know. No matter you know their political affiliation, how they grew up, you know. Did they come for money? Did they you know not come for money? Uh, right. You know, whatever it may be, you know. Being able to connect with people and empathize with people and work towards a common goal together with them, ultimately putting all of your shit to the side and realizing, you know, what's what's important for the bigger picture. I think that sports are a great conduit for that. Everything is relative, right? So it's like if if you, you know, some of the workouts and some of the, you know, some of the things that we had to endure to, you know, on a day to day to play at that level, to, you know, as a part of our culture, the the social conditioning, right? It's something that sure. Everything
0: else in life seems relatively easy now because that was so... Hard. That's it. I couldn't quite put my thumb on it, but if you are, I think that's that's why so many football players succeed because they're just like, you know what? Did you see? I just got tackled by Ray Lewis. You think after that career, I'm not worried? I'm afraid of learning about real estate or or tech investing. Like
1: (laughs) that's easy. (laughs) Like Aaron Donald actually used to. I played with his older brother Archie Donald coming in. You know, I was a buck fifty five soaking wet coming in as a freshman, and you know, our coaches. Used to always put me up against him in hitting drills. Um, <laughs> I think that, you know, I think that they thought it was soft or whatever, you know, yeah. to try to toughen me up. But man, could that cat lay the wood, bro? Like, I remember, you know, I remember sometimes <laughs> getting hit, waking up in my dorm room and like my roommate, you know, I'm just looking at the wall. My roommate's like, bro, you good? And I'm just like, nah, bro, just can you turn the lights off, bro? Like, the lights are really bothering me right now. Um, <laughs>
0: I mean, that sounds sounds like concussion status right there, but uh, (laughs) emphasizing the point there that you're going through some things like that, it makes probably everything after that much easier. You know, the stuff that you've gone through at Toledo and, uh, you know, getting on the gridiron has sort of prepared you for an incredible journey of yours. Um, You know, obviously you're from Detroit, went to Toledo, and just big picture here, you are now living here in San Francisco. You make music, you produce music, you're an aspiring artist, and at the same time, JM works for silicon an ach payment api uh that provides banking and payments infrastructure as a service for teams building out the next generation of financial products and services um, really fast moving startup in two sentences if that's possible break down Scylla, its purpose and then you know we'll, we'll tee up from there
1: i'll do my best to try to condense it <laughs> we have a we have a stable coin, um erc20 tokens built on the ethereum blockchain um, through it, we're able to help companies who are building platforms that they need to make their money programmable. We're able to facilitate that through a host uh, suite of APIs that we've developed. Movement of money, the movement and the flow of funds, is you know is just part of what we do as making as a service. In addition to that, you know we're able to do things such as. Bank account linking, KYC verification for those people. that don't know what KYC is. Uh, if you've ever bought cryptocurrency before, in the process of verifying your identity, you know sometimes you have to show your passport or your driver's license. We facilitate that. We're best in the industry at that. How you really you know quantify that is uh, the amount of times that you're able to verify someone, KYC someone without having the use of documentation, without having to show a driver's license and we're able to do that 90 percent of the time, which is best in industry. Sure. The NFT space and the cryptocurrency space, blockchain, um, building all these amazingly crazy, you know, insane projects. And, you know, for them to be able to realize their dreams and what they're building, um, which is really dope. I'm able to, you know, they're able to leverage our technology our APIs to be able to realize those dreams. You guys are sort of competitors with Stripe. I wouldn't I wouldn't say that we're competitors with Stripe, um,
0: just because we don't really go after the same uh, target demographic. Similar services, not necessarily direct competitors, but maybe similar services, if if that's, is that fair to say? Well, it's Uh,
1: similar in the sense that, you know, Plaid, Plaid is, you know, we all know Plaid um, for, you know, bank account linking and, you know, the process. So, you know, Plaid is is a partner of us where, you know, we're able to, we're able to facilitate, uh, a, a portion of our bank account linking processes through that, um, you know, Plaid or, or Stripe, Stripe rather is they're they're really more so focused on on going after uh, companies that, you know, they're making, you know, marketplaces, you know, they have they're they're doing they're doing like just like credit card payments. You know, we're we're focused more on, you know, okay. Being able to bring money into a digital ecosystem is kind of our primary focus, if that makes sense.
0: No, for sure. So when I, when I go on, a, when I'm on a business page, we don't see you guys out front, but you're in the background helping businesses with their transfer payments. What, what do you sort of do for Scylla and, and um, how are you helping sort of build the, the trajectory of, of Scylla?
1: Yeah, so I'm an account executive there. Um, you know, previously, I was the first sales hire at another startup in the AI space, um, you know, leveraging artificial intelligence uh, for contract management. Um, and, you know, my biggest customer at that company was Disney. I worked with Disney Music Group and uh, was working on a few use cases with their artists um, around, you know, payments for their royalties, uh, both publishing and uh, on their masters. And, you know, realized through that experience how how antiquated the process, um, you know, payments infrastructure for a lot of companies are. And, you know, when I was researching, uh, you know, looking at companies, new companies to work for, um, you know, I took two years off of tech to focus on music and, you know, only recently came back And uh, when I was looking at companies, you know, I I really wanted to focus on the blockchain space. I came across Scylla and, you know, they, they really are, you know, solving some of the problems, a lot of the problems that, you know, I saw from my experience working in the contract management space that needed to be solved that are you know solving some of these infrastructure problems um you know a lot of companies their flow of funds is just you know it's 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 very antiquated it's 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 really difficult for them to move money internally or build a platform that allows them to do things around the movement of funds and that's you know something that's right up is, is, is 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 still is really great at you know Talking about speaking to, you know, your question about what it is that I do for Scylla. So I'm an account executive. So I'm the one, you know, closing deals. I'm talking to companies, um, you know, by the time a company makes it to me, um, you know, they've been qualified. They have a use case. Usually they are launching. It's a it's a founder that is launching a platform or building out a new platform inside of their company where they have some sort of need for the movement of funds to be tied uh, to. So when you program money, when you make money programmable, when it becomes a digital currency, you can essentially write programming language around uh, around the movement of it, so I'll give you an example. Um, we work with a real estate tech company that they have a platform that allows people to buy parcels of the land yeah. uh, using smart contracts, right? So they they have an automated system where you know in the typical real estate process, you know, going through a broker, going through an agent kind of replacing that where someone can kind of have, you know, a la carte service, you know, similar to, you know, what you experience, uh, you know, on Amazon, right? Um, buying land, right? So it's like you you go on their platform, sure. on their app, you buy land, and the transfer of ownership happens automatically using smart contracts. Now, for the movement of funds, you know, the person selling the land, uh, they, they have to easily facilitate the amount of money, you know, it's it's not. We're not talking about 200 dollars, right, for land, right? You know, we're talking about you know sometimes millions of dollars, right? So being able to move that amount of money um, automatically through a platform is very difficult on a on a on a back end perspective. It's not difficult with cryptocurrency. It's not difficult sure. using digital currency, and it can be done automatically uh, using our APIs.
0: So basically, you're helping the businesses optimize how they how they transfer money. And a lot of times in, in this day and age with a lot of blockchain companies, um, you know, there can be a lot of hoops to jump through to get different crypto or different types of payments transfer between buyer and seller. And so you guys are helping. You guys are the middleman optimizing this process. It's, it's complicated, sh- man, but this is the sh- that it's game changing when, when uh when done at scale.
1: The alternative to using us would you have to get a banking partnership, right? You have to get an MSB, you have to get a money transmitter license. Um these things take, you know, sometimes five to ten years to do, you know, so it can slow your, your your speed to market. And then in addition to that, it can cost, you know hundreds of thousands, sometimes millions of dollars, depending on what you're doing. Um, so, you know, we're more cost efficient. And in addition to that, we're able to help companies go to market faster uh, without having to go through a banking partner. No, that's all I want to say.
0: 100%. 100%. 100%. <laughs> 100%, 100%. Thanks for, for breaking that down. It's exciting stuff. If you really know if you're really deep into the space and, and and understand how important it is for small businesses in general that you know use tech and um rely on tech to optim- to to run their business for you personally aside from solo, what's one what's one thing really quick in the crypto space that you, you it's like your personal delight and you think has a good use case
1: absolutely the music industry we're going to see a lot of restructuring and changing in the way that you know record labels um you know A lot of people will say record labels are going to be gone. I don't know um, if that's necessarily true. I think that, you know, that we're going to see the way that artists interact with record labels is going to be much different. You know, there's a company called Vest, right? There's a company called Vest that allows you as an artist to be able to raise funding, funding, uh, you know, an, an initial... Like you know, we all know about ICOs, initial coin offerings. So it's like a you know initial artist offering or initial music offering. Um, Even if you don't have a fan base, having the ability to leverage either whether it be your network, whether it be you know you just have you know an amazing body of work that you know like if you went to a label that you know the things that a label would do for you, um, you know the main thing that they would provide would be the budget, right? That's what labels have essentially become is banks. They're like banks. They're investing in. Artists. So, a company like Vest allows uh, allows artists to kind of have an alternative method where um, you know investors that are looking for interesting uh, interesting asset classes to invest in. Uh, the ability to invest in artists very easily using cryptocurrency. So you can raise an initial coin offering. You have your own cryptocurrency as an artist. Someone can buy your coin or or an allocated amount of your coin. And, you know, you're able to raise funding to complete your project, to market your project, you know, put budget where it needs to go to successfully uh, all the things that a label would do. If you went with a label. So there's like all that's what we're seeing and we're going to continue to see is like all these companies popping up in the music industry that all the different pieces and infrastructure of the music industry is going to, you know, people are going to have alternatives.
0: I I think you make a great point, which by the way, you're you're doing a great job segueing into (laughs) the next phase of (laughs) the pod. I think crypto is going to really transform the music industry in a lot of ways, but I don't think, just like a lot of things with Web3, it's not going to completely revolutionize how we interact with music. Record labels, it's a centralized source of invest, like you said, a centralized place of investing in uh, musicians. And it's not like we can just get rid of that else because record labels do a lot of great things for musicians that can't do a lot of things for themselves for example scheduling tour dates you know meeting with different partnerships Uh, a musician can't do it can't be completely decentralized but there's a lot of things that can be decentralized um, for a lot of artists that don't need someone else to to do something for them so i think that's a great segue into you know what you're really big into which is which is making music you're an artist Describe to people your style. You have a very interesting style. Describe your style and sort of your inspiration.
1: Yeah, you know, describing my style is a, a creative, um, you know, I would say honestly, I, I would label myself, well, you know, I hate labels personally, but if I had to label myself, I would say that I'm more of an inventor than, you know, a musician or a creative. Um, I, I love inventing. Uh, you know, different, it be different sounds, different processes uh, to record, to mix, uh, to creatively, you know, fuse different aspects of music together that haven't been heard before. Um, I would say like, you know, some of my biggest influences as a creative, as a creative would be, you know, The Weeknd, um, Kanye, Drake, two artists that I'm really drawing a lot of inspiration from as of late would be St. John and Tyler Yahweh. Um, you know, I love I love both of their sounds. Um, you know, I hope to... I
0: like St. John.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, same. I hope to make some records with them in the next year. I'm um, going down to L.A. Um, in April. I'll be down there for most of April uh, to really, you know, consolidate my network down there. I haven't been down there in a while, but, you know, it's something that, you know, the sound that I'm making, you know, it, it's it's... If you listen to the music that I have out right now each one of my singles is a completely different sound.
0: Yeah, I noticed that. I noticed that.
1: Yeah, and it it's something that, you know, I I look to Tory Lanez as another artist I draw a lot of influence from. Um, you know, I, I've I've always considered myself a slashy, you know, um, you know this slash that. And, and it's something that my art is a reflection of that. You know, being able to try on all these different personas is something that I very much enjoy in the creative process. And it's something that... You know, not just not just, you know, being pigeonholed into this one role that you're playing, you know, for the rest of your career. I think that's antiquated. I think we're seeing, you know, artists like Tory Lanez, artists like Doja Cat, uh, where they're trying on all these different personas. And, you know, you hear a song like, for example, you hear like a Tory Lanez or a Doja Cat song. You know, it might sound like five different people on the, sound, on the song, but, it, you know, it's all them that is really, you know, (laughs) as really where where my music has all the trajectory has always been going is to develop all these different personas, all these different sounds. And it's almost kind of like the Avengers. Right. Where you got like, you know, all these different, you know, Iron Man, you know, Thor, uh, you know, Hulk, all these different all these different personas that they all have their separate (laughs) side stories happening simultaneously in, in the universe. And then they all come together every once in a while, you know what I'm saying, on the same song. That's really how I envision my creative
0: process you're not afraid to sort of experiment and, and cross, you know, mix and match different genres. And um, I think, I think you do a great job. Um, you know, just as a person in general, is not, is not putting yourself in a box and, and let, allowing yourself to sort of venture outside of what maybe think people think is normal, but you're comfortable enough to where you're willing to, to try and fail an experiment. But I, I want to touch on, um, y- you know, you mentioned you wanted to go back down to LA to consolidate your network, but you've actually already worked with some pretty dope people that, I will read off a little bit. So you've worked with dope engineers and and people that have been engineering for and working with like the Frank Oceans, the Chris Browns, Usher, Wiz Khalifa, Kanye. You know, you have like Jeff Ellis, Dimitri McDowell, Jorge Hernandez. Uh Benny Steele these are these are people that a lot of listeners may not have heard of but they're very responsible behind some of the, the the greatest hits that we listen to today. So talk about some of the notable people you've worked with and uh what have what have they brought you in 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 your sort of music path?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I can start with Jeff Ellis, you know, other than being, you know, having having a really great name. <laughs> He's uh one of my favorite people. He's someone that, you know, I had the pleasure of working with him on the first single I ever released he mixed it. Um, you know, he being in the studio with him, I feel like I downloaded like 10 years worth of knowledge just being like, you know, just watching him work and like he's so efficient like he, you know, the way that the way that his workflow is set up is something that um, you know, it's it's it it was so grateful. I'm so grateful for that experience, you know, super, super early. Um, you know, this was uh twenty fifteen. Um, you know, like having that experience early on from someone that, you know, he he's he's behind, you know, crafting um, you know, Channel Orange and Blonde, which are, you know, two of my favorite projects of all time. Uh and, you know, he just gets it. He just is one of those guys musically so yeah. musically inclined that He gets it he just knows what needs to happen in a song for it to sound good. I think mixing engineers don't get enough credit in the music industry. They're the real rock stars behind, you know, you have like, you know, the Mike Deans of the world, the Lou Bells of the world that, you know, Mike Deans, you know, you may not have heard of him, but, you know, he's he's the engineer behind, you know, Kanye, um, you know, The Weeknd, Lana Del Rey, a lot of, a lot of, uh, correction, he, so Lou Bell, Lou Bell, uh, worked with Lana Del Rey, um, Mike Dean, Travis Scott, uh, you know, a lot of these artists that, you know, are, are mega stars, you know, I would argue that their engineers, you know, sure. the ones crafting get a lot more credit, you know, so shout out to all the mixing engineers, you know, that, you know, are behind the scenes, you know, some of the humblest people you'll ever meet that, you know, they, they're not always in the spotlight. And a lot of times, oftentimes they don't get the credit they deserve. I think I'm working on my first project, I'm finishing up uh the finalizing the mixes for that project and you know i have a lot of songs uh on that project uh working with Dimitri mcdowell who you know he it's a name you might not have heard of but you know he's one of those songwriters that you know your favorite artists when they're working on their project he's calling them he's flying them out to his studio to their studio where they're working to you know co-write on a song you know he's sh- Multi-platinum plaques with Chris Brown, uh, yeah, everyone. Usher, Trey, Trey Songz, uh, you know, Wiz. Um, he he's just such a humble cat, and you yeah. know, he he's a superstar in his own right. He's a name that you're going to hear is going to be a household name. You could timestamp this interview. Yeah. Is something that I'm calling it. I have heard the records that he's going <laughs> to put out. You know, as an artist, he's been writing for everyone, but as an artist. I've heard some of the records that he's getting ready to drop. Let me just
0: just be ready. Like, the game is not ready. It's not ready. Damn, so I'm a, I'm, a, I'm expecting big things from Dimitri Medell and I'm um, expecting big things from yourself as you continue to, to work with um, these artists. What's your big goal, Jeff, with, the, with this music? Where do you want to take this?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know...
0: A jam, excuse me.
1: <laughs> these last two years have been, you know... They've been a challenge for me. You know, I've had some, you know, some struggles as a lot of people have had that I've had to overcome. And, you know, a big a big challenge that I had to deal with during those past two years was struggling with my own mental health. Mental health is Mm -hmm. something that I, I think is not talked about enough when it comes to, you know, both music industry and athletes, too, as well. I think that, you know, we see all these programs for military veterans, you know, that, you know, encounter PTSD when they come back from service. But, you know, I would argue that athletes, um, you know, especially playing a sport as violent as football, right? You know, it's not natural to run at someone 25 miles per hour right. and have a collision with them. There's a certain amount of social conditioning and <laughs> yeah. brainwashing that has to happen to get... A human being to want to willingly do that without having any hesitation. Right. Just like when soldiers come back from serving our country and they have to go through, you know, re, re, they have all these rehabilitation programs for soldiers, uh, you know, to reintegrate them into society. I think athletes need that, too, as well for their mental health. And I know I'm kind of going off on a, tan, a tangent, um, but, you know, I think the best cong- conversations are tangential. <laughs> I think that, uh, you know, centering it back to music I think that mental health is something that is increasingly important in music, too, as well. And through my own experiences of, you know, battling mental health issues and, you know, finding tools to help me overcome that, one of the tools being, um, you know, something that has been instrumental in, in my own mental health has been uh, different binaural frequencies, uh, healing frequencies. For those who are not familiar, there are frequencies that scientists have done studies on mm. that uh, if you play these frequencies, they're able to alter brainwave patterns, right? So there's a brainwave pattern for you know, PTSD. There's a brainwave pattern for anxiety. There's a brainwave pattern for depression. If you put someone in a CAT scan and you know, measure their brainwave patterns, you can see what the brain looks like in all those states of being, Well, these frequencies have been, you know, scientifically proven to get people out of those states and back into, they have the brainwave pattern too, as well, for someone who is in a relaxed, calm, peaceful state of, you know, mental health. So, you know, it's something that, you know, once I kind of went down that whole rabbit hole, you know, researching, uh, because I I found a lot of benefits myself, What if there was a way to incorporate this into my music you know frequency music is frequencies you know uh, there's a way to tune uh instruments not only digital instruments but as well as physical instruments to these frequencies and you know that's been a passion project of mine um you know over the past two years and you know this project that um that i'm set to release uh Hopefully this summer, um, you know, I'm, I'm waiting, I have a lot of big features on there that I'm, you know, waiting to see if I can get all of them cleared. Um, If not, you know, we're going to go, go with whatever we got, but uh, you know, it's something that that whole project is all going to be in healing frequencies. So that's something that, you know, has been very important to me is being able to share that knowledge and share that, that healing aspect that
0: I received from these frequencies to help with my own mental health. And you're and you're finding music and, and and creating creating a sound that that is helping people heal through the different through different brainwaves and in the frequencies that you're, that you're creating, which is super fascinating. That I, I could do a whole freaking episode on that, <laughs> breaking down the, the 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 audio frequency to a science. Which is just just nuts to think about. And I just want to say. Best of luck. I know you're um, you're just starting. You're just or you've been in the game, but you're just about to take off. And um, I'm stamping it here. Uh, be on the lookout for JM on all platforms, man, because he's he's coming with some heat and uh, he's he's shared some stuff that uh, I'm a believer in. So JM, let's talk about the playlist that you created, man. What can we expect to hear on this five track playlist? What do you got for us,
1: man? So you know, I've really I've really been vibing with acoustic guitar. Um, not necessarily just acoustic, but just minimalistic guitar and minimalistic production lately. So expect to hear some minimalistic production, minimalist production. A little bit of, you know, a little, a little Afro beats in there, you know, a little... A little, you know, something just to vibe for the ride to. You know, this is not like a let's rage, let's get lit playlist. This is, you know, because I I feel like, you know, there's a time and place for that. I love it. You know, yeah. this is maybe pour yourself some wine, you know, maybe have, you know, I don't know, like, you know, have 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 a, you know have a significant other or, you know, a love interest in the, in the, in the, in the mix, enjoying, enjoying some conversation, connectedness,
0: you know, is, is that type of playlist. (laughs) Okay. So, so more, more, more thoughtful, more calming, soothing sort of music, and some music there In there were jams So make sure you guys Check it out But Jay Thank you so much man For joining me uh, On the podcast man What what an incredible Interesting guy you are So, you know, so many different interests And um, breaking down Complex topics Episode 3 of Season 2 of The Athletes and Assets Podcast Thanks for coming on JM It's my pleasure man It's truly an honor brother Lucky lack On the track Gotta me.